Inhale the good shit. Exhale the bullshit. Today on Barbell Buddha Rediscovered, we're doing another live listen, reacting in real time. This is episode 93, and it's called Undivided Intention. song I wanted to play last week, but I saved it because I thought it had a little bit more to do with this week's talk. I got asked last week about um, self-doubt and how to overcome that stuff. You know, I put up a question on the Instagrams and the social media and got a lot of good responses. And I also got asked a bunch of stuff about uh, training, specifically like how you can um, maintain focus with kids, poor sleep, tough job, um, how can you basically keep working for what you want in an otherwise pretty crazy, very loud, very distracting world? And I thought in the end, that song actually works a little better. It's actually, that's Henry Rollins, by the way. That's the Rollins Band. The tune is uh, Inhale, Exhale off an album called The Come In and Burn Sessions, or Come In and Burn Sessions, however you want to say that. But look it up. It's worth it. If you like that kind of music. If you're into fucking EDM or whatever kids listen to this day, I, I can't really help you out much. I have no idea <laughs> the lure of some of that. All I know is that tune <clears throat> is a track I used to listen to pretty much daily back during the grad school years and the main powerlifting years because I've always found it to be uh, a message, a rhythm, a beat, a level of energy, lyrics especially that I can that resonate with me and that I can really get behind. And it seemed to be more appropriate for this week because I do want to talk about training and effect and how you can get better results and how you can make sense of some of the madness. I'll start with this. <clears throat> The issue of training <laughs> is something that always resonates with me because it's something I've always loved my whole life. And in this case, um, my life is now changing in ways that I didn't foresee, that maybe I expected but didn't get the real weight and beauty and elegance of and uh, importance of and challenge of. That's what anybody discovers when they get to be like, <laughs> well, I'm always a kid, but when you get to be like... Uh, 30, 31, 34, 35 for me almost, and you start seeing like 40 coming up around the corner, you got to really start stacking things up and putting things where they go and kind of getting your head around shit. And for me, training has been one of those topics, so I've really had to think a lot about this shit lately because, because despite my experiences, despite 
past successes and despite what I might know, quotation marks and question marks. <clears throat> um, sometimes it can feel like I'm getting nowhere in training and I can struggle and, and well, I do struggle and progress comes hard sometimes or the love for what you're doing isn't there like it used to be. And I think a lot of people feel this uh, as evidenced by the fact that I was asked about it like three or four times in different shapes. And you know? I know it's something I've struggled with. and I, I think it's something I can help with just because I've, I've made some progress. I've gotten my head around some issues. I don't know. I think there's plenty enough here to riff on to kind of maybe share some thoughts. I'll start with the <clears throat> maybe the most important lesson I can say. When you are struggling to get um, a result, <laughs> an effect, an outcome that you want, which I think that should pretty much relate to anybody, anybody human who gives a shit, and who cares, right? That should be you. The first thing I would say <clears throat> is that it's very important to know stuff, <laughs> knowledge of training, knowledge of what you want to achieve, a roadmap for how to get there. But I want, I want to say that the older I get, the more I, I seem to be noticing, maybe you've noticed too, that knowledge in and of itself is very low value and not, not that very useful to you if you don't put it into practice. That's a huge lesson to know. Now, I mean, let me shape that idea just a little bit and say that you have to know what to do and you have to have a plan if you want to get an effect, especially when it comes to training. And I have that. Like I said, I know I have a good sense of what works. For me, what works is basically, let's say if I want to get strong, I focus basically on three things. Three things matter more than anything for me. Uh, one is doing, most of the time, doing what I know works best. In this case, it's doing if I can get a little geeky on powerlifting stuff, if you've seen uh, powerlifters do quick sets, like eight sets of, of one to three repetitions with a minute rest in between or less, and a very high percentage of the one around like 80 to 85%, so things are pretty intense and move fast, uh, that's the kind of style of training I do 90% of the time because I think and really believe that it works really great. And that's something you see a lot in CrossFit now too. <clears throat> EMOMs, work that is every minute on the minute. If you're moving a lot of weight with great intent and great um, focus and great belief and you're trying to move better every time and you're not giving yourself much rest and you hardly have time to think and what happens is you usually get way more good, high-quality, intense, focused reps out of that style of training, guess what? <clears throat> Even if it's just five sets of two, which is not a lot of work, but just five intense, focused, quick, powerful rounds uh, with great intent makes you very strong. Uh, with that, I'd say the second thing that makes me really strong is doing lots of easy work. So the older you get and the more frustrated you get and the less time you have, you can't sit around the gym doing five to five on everything. <clears throat> you can't also afford to cut out early, do heavy squats or just snatches or just your wad and the fuck off. If you really want to recover and, uh, and heal and make progress and build the main lifts, when you're not able to do so much of the heavy stuff all the time, you have to do little things. So if you've heard the podcast I did on the topic of uh, assistance exercises, that's like two or three back. It might have been from May or June, uh, right before I took my hiatus. <clears throat> I talked about the importance of small movements, small things, assistance exercises. So I'd say if you want to be strong, you want to get a result, and you're not taking the time to do little things like back raises and sit-ups and uh, glute ham raises and single leg squats or lunges. You, know, you, you, you say you don't have time, but you can go in your backyard during an hour or 30 minutes where you have some time, you can lunge around while you listen to a podcast. There's always ways of getting your work in. So that's two. <clears throat> if you will, good buddy, allow me to jump in and drop in some of my training thoughts here. First of all, couldn't agree more. Second of all, as always, 
you can take what Chris is saying about training and apply it to whatever you're trying to get good at. When you have practice in something, what you can do is you can work intensely in a small bout, just like he was describing the eight sets, eight sets of one to three, high percentage of your uh, one rep max done in short bouts. You can do that. Just consider that any type of work. If it's writing, if it's uh, if you're a coach, like condensing your work into a shorter time frame where you can work really intensely allows you to get a lot of the work that you need to get done done in a short amount of time. So you can do the small things, accessory work that supports the the main things that you're trying to get better at. So if you're trying to get better as a coach, you can spend a pocket of time where you're getting a lot of really good coaching in a short amount of time. And then you can surround your day with other things that allow you to be a good coach, like reading, like browsing the internet for things that are interesting, like uh, maybe getting into a uh, what a Reddit rabbit hole like Chris used to. But the way that I do this practically in my own personal training is when I go out to the garage, I have a set few things that I like to like to work on. I have my sandbags as my primary strength tool, not the barbell. I've just my application for grappling. I just found that. Uh, sandbags themselves are just just more applicable. Barbells are great. I spend a lot of time under the barbell, but I just personally like to use the sandbag. Kettlebells are the next best tool. I use those for so many things. So for me, what I've been the way that I do uh, my own my own training lately is on any given day, uh, if I have no ambitions, if I'm not trying to maybe add a little strength or get better at conditioning, I have a go-to 45-minute template that allows me to hit all of the things that I like to do that allow me to be human. Uh, the, the running, the jumping, the crawling, the lifting, the going really fast. I can get it all done in a 45-minute set and just be in and out and feel that I've done a good job. But I've had an itch lately to get strong, to, to feel strong again. And so I have gone back to the basics, have a very easy format uh, uh, lifting wise that I'm just like Chris doing in short doses, those five sets of two to five reps done on purpose. And yeah, uh, that allows me to hit the main points that allow me to be strong. What I personally do for the little things is I spend a ton, a ton, a ton of time connected to the floor. Uh, what Chris learned in his venture into the handstand with Carl Pally, if you can re reflect on that point, he learned the power of connecting with the floor. Yes, getting upside down, but the floor is actually the medium by which he can get upside down. And so reestablishing a relationship with the floor, being able to move and crawl and be able to hit these positions while holding tension but still be flexible, these allow me to attack virtually any task in physical sport and feel pretty confident that I'm going to be able to do it safely and, and uh, without really worrying about injury. Unless there's a high risk involved, generally my body is very durable. Uh, I can go out and just like, you know, just kind of run a 10K if I feel like it. I could go rip off a half. Actually, phew, in a couple of weeks, I'm committed to do a 15-mile run with a couple of buddies, so I will be ready for it. But the point is, do the intense things, the big things, intensely, 
up to 80-90% of your capacity semi-frequently in regular doses and then fill the gaps with all these small things. Chris liked the accessory movements, the dumbbell stuff, the kettlebell stuff. I personally have found a lot of value in calisthenics and doing a lot of crawling that prepares me for the grappling sport that I like. So that's just a couple of small little tidbits from my side, and I'll let Chris get back to it. Training intensely and fast with intent. One, two, doing all the little things. And three, it's got to be rejuvenation and rest. I think one of the big things I do now more so than ever before, is put an extreme level of focus on um, <clears throat> doing less. My daughter's screaming again. <laughs> doing less outside of those two things, recovering, putting focus on rest and sleep, putting focus on self-love and rejuvenation, that makes an incredible amount of difference. Now, that all said, three important things for making you really strong, at least in my case. I might also add in there, not doing exercise that you know you, that cause injury and stuff. But those are the main things. So that's the knowledge and the plan. But apart from that, what do you do when you don't get a result, right? What do you do when that seems to cause frustration? You have a good plan, written by a good coach, written by good people. And still, sometimes you don't get the effect you're after. And that sucks. So the question is why? I think that's where we get to a a second, more larger, more fundamental principle. And that is around intention, right? So this is an important idea, a little side note. I'll say I, I picked this up by reading Charlie Munger's book, Poor Richard's Almanac. Uh, it's so good. Currently, Doug's got that reading it and also loving it. If I can recommend a book on this show, it's going to be that. Poor Richard's Almanac. Very good. You got the title right. By Charlie Munger. If you just type in Charlie Munger books on Amazon, it'll pop right up. <clears throat> but over and over again in that book, he refers to the idea of principles. Big ideas from all areas of life and study and, and, and science, whatever. Big fundamental keystone ideas that if you master those things, those more fundamental things, then all the more specified or uh, more detailed, or all the other ideas that build on those, you ain't got to worry so much about them if you focus on a simple thing. And a simple thing here, we're talking about getting an effect going, getting a result from our training, doing what we want to do with our time and our effort. You got to think about intention. And I'll, I'll phrase this or frame it against my own experiences. So I talked about my history of powerlifting, and there was a time when I didn't have to worry so much about distraction. That time was back in school days. So when I was at my strongest, my strongest was I was able to squat about 975 pounds, and my bench press and my deadlift were about the same. I have very long back and very short legs and arms, so I'm built that way. But I was able to press and deadlift about 700 pounds. So I was at my peak strength, and I was there probably, I don't know, mid to late 20s. <clears throat> I was able to pull that off, maybe even closer to the mid-20s. And what was I doing at that time? <clears throat> well, not much. I trained. Uh four to five days a week for maybe two to three hours at a time. <clears throat> so that's already a lot, of, a lot of time to be devoting to training. But in this case, I had that going. And then outside of the gym, what was I doing? I was studying sports science. So that was another, uh, like a full work day or more. So 10 hours plus the three or four. So pretty much my whole day from the crack of dawn till sundown or till deep into the night. I was ever thinking about getting stronger, training, or doing research and stuff that all fed back into the question of getting stronger. And I didn't really have much of a social life, not much of a set of agendas outside of the gym. I didn't have a family, wasn't trying to really write that much at the time to spread my ideas outside of what I was selfishly trying to achieve and learn myself. So it was a very narrow view. And it was all right, and it was normal, and it was great for the time. And I think that's what a lot of 
that's where a lot of athletes are at who's, uh, who are seeking peak performance. If you think about what people have to achieve to win the CrossFit Games, to win a powerlifting competition, to win weightlifting, to, to, to compete at a national level, to be their true best, man, you just don't have a lot of bandwidth for other things in your life that are going to take focus away. And that's, that's bad only if you've been down the road and you know what you're missing. But when you're fucking 19, 20, 25 even, and you know this is what you want and nothing else is really going on, this is the time to really focus and get the most out of what you're trying to achieve. Now, that said, <clears throat> I can contrast this against what I'm trying to do now, right? I fast forward, let's say from the age of 25 to now the age of 35. So it's 10 years of my life. And what do I have going on? Well, <clears throat> I still have a fundamental love and passion for training. I think about it every day. I want to talk about it and share ideas about it. And I want to still be strong, but there's other things <laughs> in my life, things that you know other people are feeling too. I have kids. I have a four-year-old little boy. He's about to be four October 10th. I have a little girl who's, an hour, uh, who's a year and a half old, and you probably have heard her in the background shouting. She's lovely, especially in the mornings. I love her so much. Uh, so I have the kids who... You know, yeah, some days when you're trying to squat or deadlift, they kind of run around with a stuffed animal or a dirty diaper underneath you, you know, because you're you're out in the garage trying to get something done in between work sessions or something or while you got a few minutes and they come around, they they interrupt, but all in the best ways, you know, or they get up in the middle of the night crying and there goes your sleep. Right. <clears throat> I also have in my life loved ones. I have a, a wife and family members who I, I care about more deeply than words can describe. And I have a team that I work with. Uh, on barbell shrug that I love more than words can describe. And sometimes that is a source of just amazing, unbelievable joy and beauty. And sometimes it's a source of distraction and, and pain when things don't go well or you, you're not getting along like you should or whatever. We're humans and we get along and we have those issues sometimes, you know. But that's a hugely important thing for me. And like I said, when that stuff's happening and unfolding in whatever way it's going to unfold, it, it takes away the focus. <clears throat> There's other work I'm trying to do. I, I want to write and say some things even outside that show. There's other stuff I want to make and pursue. There's broadening interest in study. I mean, if there's one thing that's true as you get older, you should want to push beyond what you've always known. You should want to learn different things. You should also want to start doing things not just for your own achievement because once you get to be 30, maybe especially 40, I'm guessing it only get worse from here. Not worse, more profound. I think you want to start serving others, doing more things for other people as just a natural consequence of getting older. So when all these things start happening, and then you're getting less of a result from one thing. You're not as in shape or as fit or as strong as you want to be. The first step, I think, is just being aware of what has changed. Maybe you have a vision of yourself when you were skinnier or stronger or had more free time in the past. And maybe you feel very frustrated now that the circumstances have changed. I know I feel that from time to time. just as a natural part of being human. But I think your first, maybe this is the third lesson of the thing. <laughs> you know your intention is divided. But you can at least be aware of it, and being aware of it is the first step towards like reshaping your awareness around it to, to be more productive and get more out of it. <clears throat> so, yeah, you might get busy, and yeah, you might know what works, but if you start trying to accomplish more than these narrow goals, you're going to get uh, muted effects. So you got to kind of recognize that. And this is a chance to also be realistic and fair to yourself. If you're 30, 40 years old and you have a big family, don't try to be fucking Rich Froney. Don't try to be Ed Cohen all American, all world, all the greatest power of all time. Don't try to compare yourself to a weightlifter you see on Instagram whose whole fucking job, whose whole existence is nothing but training, getting a video of that training, putting on Instagram, 
trying to get the training going, thinking about the training, doing the training. Like that's all they're doing, man. It's great and it's beautiful, but it's not you. So be realistic in that. Sometimes lifting is not going to be, cannot be the most important thing. And that's all right. I just want to take a moment to touch on the the finer point that he just made, which is that it is okay to like what you like and to have what is important to you important to you. It is so easy to get caught up in the comparison game. That is one of the easiest traps. The most They seem to be scattered everywhere, the comparison trap. Everywhere we go, we're taught uh, or maybe conditioned or maybe just programmed to be in comparison. What kind of car am I driving compared to somebody else? What kind of house does somebody have compared to me? How much can somebody lift compared to me? How far can somebody run compared to me? How much money is somebody making compared to me? All of these things are uh, true stealers of our joy. And so uh, for Chris to be able to name that, that it's okay. You don't have to compare yourself to other people. You can uh, train, pursue the thing that you want to do on your own terms. And uh, he mentioned his family. If you can do those things while being in integrity with your family, man, you are really on to a winning formula. Uh, Chris was definitely at doing his best, at least to, if not model it, to, to, to talk about it openly. So let's get back to the buddy. So this, this brings us to maybe the, the back-end meat of this show. And the thought I, maybe the area I thought I could rough off most productively because I think these ideas have helped me get my head around changing priorities and changing intent more than anything. So I will say, first off, <clears throat> if you are still in that uh, simple phase uh, <laughs> where there's only what's most important, you can see one or two things. Like if you're, if you're younger or you have the luxury of just being able to really, really focus on this is what I need to achieve. Maybe it's like two things, work and training. Or maybe you have the luxury of just being able to focus on yourself. That's great. And I will say, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, you should really soak up this time and be appreciative. If you've got um, a goal of mine to be the absolute best you can be, give it all right now because this time is limited. Out of all your life, if there's 100% of available training time and achieving time and, and time to push and achieve and all that, the time for hitting an all-out objective peak where you achieve the most you can personally achieve, that's really early and it's really short. In my case, it's a couple years from my 20s. And apart from big lifts, those aren't necessarily my most memorable years. There's a lot of accumulation, a lot of uh, seeking of significance, a lot of ambition, you know, like any student is trying to get their shit together. But it has its time. It's not, you don't want to stay there for too long. So enjoy it while it's there, but don't try to like desperately hold on to it. Don't think it's, it's necessarily magical on its own. There's a time for a peak and you don't have to hold that peak forever. Point two, <laughs> for the people who are like, okay, we bummed me out. Well, there's, there's a big upside that I want to make clear too. This is maybe like the Peter Drucker style advice uh, simplicity advice. This this cuts through a lot of the frustrations right here. If you are in the um, the ninety nine percent, the other ninety nine percent of humanity who can't quite focus a hundred percent on training, let's say, I'd say there's really good advice here. Uh, you have to narrow down your focus. You have to do something new, right? And you have to start rethinking about what is now most important to you. 
So like people try to achieve and try to uh, accomplish and put very heavy demands on themselves, but they never remove anything from the table. From your 20s to your 30s to maybe your 40s and beyond, you keep adding things and responsibilities. And if you don't change uh, your ranking for what's important, and if you can't learn to say no to certain things, you can't learn to, to quit certain things, hmm, that's where you're going to get like a real dissolution and uh, watering down of the effect you might be able to achieve. And that's when being busy, just for the sake of being busy, really becomes a, uh, a not very effective strategy. Let me tell you that much. It's, it's, it's a point like this that he just made that starts to show, in my opinion, uh, the refinement in his thinking as he's evolving as both a business person and, a, and an artist in the, the really allowing himself to let go of seeing being busy as a as a as a sign that you're doing really well (laughs) uh it's easy when you're in the early stages of your development to assume and get get benefit from doing more and assuming that doing more is the is what you need to do because in oftentimes when you're beginning something that that is what you need to do you simply need to do it more often or at least accrue some reps under your belt. But then you start to hit a phase where doing more isn't what works anymore. And so you start to cut away a lot of the stuff that isn't serving you. And when you do that, in the first phase, you cut out oftentimes the stuff that you didn't really like to do anyway. And that's like really fun, but it's also the easy part. It is really easy when you're having the realization that you shouldn't be doing so much. If you're a business owner, that maybe you're doing too many tasks that are that you could be delegating, and it shouldn't. It doesn't really cost you much money. It's a ten dollar an hour task. It's a fifteen dollar an hour task, and by doing that, you free yourself up to perform fifty dollar an hour tasks, a hundred dollar an hour tasks, maybe a thousand dollars an hour tasks, uh, and that's why you delegate because it it actually is costing you to continue to do more. So in the first phase, like I said, you you get rid of the stuff that you don't like to do. But then, and this is where Chris is talking about, there's another phase that is even harder. And that's when you start to say no to things that you like to do. Because even though that you like them, even though they bring you joy into your life, the utility and the joy that you get from doing them still isn't as high as the smaller range of things that you want to invest in more. My childhood best friend, his father, one time said uh, in a very, very awesome moment of like Southern dad uh, uh, advice, he said, uh, you know, he's got his three priorities. He's uh, He's got his family, he's got his work, and he's got God. And the way that he said it was just like matter of fact. And, and it, 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 that's that's what he cares about. He cares about his family. He cares about his work. And he cares about his faith. And when he had simplified his life down into those terms, he was able to pour all of his energy into those three buckets. And he was a great father. He was a great, is a great father, is a great business owner, and, and, and is a man that practices what he preaches. He doesn't even really preach that much. He just takes action. And when you uh, recognize him for his 
what seems like sage action, he's very quick to tell you he doesn't know much. Also, uh, something that Chris did very well was give really great wisdom and also at the same while at the same time telling you that they didn't know anything. Uh, so I find that to be very, very potent here is you will start to cut away things in your life, even the things that you like to get get really deep into the things that are the mo- of the most importance in your life. Uh, Chris has taught me that I'm doing it still in my life right now. I'm, I'm refining my life even more. And yeah, like Chris, it's getting to the point where I'm starting to say no to things that I do even like. Well, we got a pretty good amount of show left, so maybe I'll be able to pop back in here. Let's see what Chris has next for us. I thought about the, the simplest like closing points I could make. And I kind of thought about it and thought about it. And then I, I looked over to what I'm being most influenced by right now. And that's got to be Robert Persig's uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Only because I'm now, that's the second book review or a second book promo in this episode. Charlie Munger and now Robert Persig. But I'm, I'm rereading that book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, for the second time now. Way overdue, I think. That's going to be my official read that book every year book for sure. It's just to say it's profound and wise doesn't do it much justice. I would just say read it, but let me draw out one lesson I think applies here. And that is like the, <clears throat> maybe it's better to even say it as a question. I'll pose a question when you're not getting the effect. I think you have to look at everything spinning in your life and ask yourself a very simple question. That is what, what supports my pursuit of quality? If you've read that book, you know, quality is a very, maybe hard to define sometimes, but very profound, uh, issue at the heart of anybody's life. And I, and I would s- personally define that by saying, what is that? You have to decide in your life the things you're going to do. They have to, they have to push you forward and they have to support quality. What does that mean? Well, I think when I define it, I'd say, first of all, you have to live with some sort of sense of justice in mind. Justice, in this case, being defined as there's all these things that I do and can do. And sometimes I can't be as good as I want to be. Sometimes I'm not enough. Sure, I'm just a person, but I can always seek with my efforts to make things better. I can have the intent going in. I'm not just going to do shit just to fucking do it. And I'm definitely not going to stand for doing things intentionally not as good as I could do them. That just is fucking not acceptable. If you have anything in your life that is unjust and that it's a tolerance of something that is less than it could be, then that's something you have to flag as being a big problem, leading to your lack of effect. So if there's some busy work that takes away from your ability to train or to show attention to your kids, you feel like you have to do it, but you can't see any good way in that it is an improvement. You can't put the effort in to make things better. That's a big warning sign. That's not the quality of life. Uh, creativity. Creativity. If you're anything as a human being, you know the whole, the whole mess about you being like God, of God, having a divine spark in you, being able to say the word I and acknowledge yourself as being a person, an individual person with something to contribute and to achieve and a destiny, if you want to call it that or whatever. What you're really describing is you're an entity that wants to create things and see things made. And if you don't create stuff, I think you're probably always going to struggle to be as happy as you might be. So if you're creating things and feeling good about it, that's a great sign that you're on the path towards quality. Service is another big thing, I would say. Uh, when in doubt with what you're trying to achieve, if there's a component in your life, we're trying to help other people. You can't question that. I think that's always a profoundly important thing to do. Uh, silence is something very important that I've been really focused on lately. 
because I realized that if you want to achieve more, trying to do more shit is not the way to do it. Uh, making time to sit down more often and be quiet more often, uh, to read more often, to reflect more often, to listen to your own voice more often is God, man, that is it's something that seems very obvious. And if anybody's ever brought up the idea of meditation to you, then you've heard the, like, the pitch, let's say. But really, I can't say enough about what you discover when you make more time for sitting quietly. And you see a lot more clearly where your intent might be split in ways that aren't supporting your ability to make things just and better, in ways that aren't allowing you to create or make what you really think you should. I mean, if you start acknowledging and seeing those factors in your life, if you can cut them out, then uh, you're really going to see a change in your circumstances. If you're just not getting the effect you want, uh, unfortunately, I think you're just trying to do too much. Anybody who wants to achieve anything of consequence, any significant result, will try, will fight, will honor their ability to do as little as possible, to channel their focus right where it needs to go and to, to fucking make the most hay, right? And Chris sets me up so perfectly. Well, he sets me up perfectly two ways. I was trying to figure out what book I should read next. And now he's like, read, I'm reading uh, Zen of the Art and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance for a second time. And I'm like, damn it, it's definitely time for a second read. And he's so right. Quality is the scale by which we can make the decisions about what to keep and what to take out of our life. He's so right. And if you want to have, going back to the example earlier the three things your family your work and you know your spiritual practice if you put every anything that is taking away from the quality of one of those three experiences that can't be delegated and can't uh, can't be improved yes that is the the surest sign that it's time to take it out of your life and put it down it's okay you you can put it down uh, if nobody's told you that you heard it here first you can put it down as long as you take that energy and you put it back into the things that matter the most. So let me like bring it back into the context of like how you can, in a very busy, mad world, how can you get the most out of your body? How can you get the best effect, the best training effect and the best strength result? I think it starts with daily practice. One thing, if you listen to Barbell Shrugged a lot, if you follow us on social media, you'll notice the hashtag DEET pop up from here and there. D-E-A-T, you may ask, what the hell does that stand for? Well, it stands for drop everything and train. That in and of itself uh, has got little to do with um, a programming theory, a style of training, uh, an agenda. It's not a CrossFit thing. It's not a powerlifting thing. It's not anything thing. What it is is like a declaration. When you make a commitment to daily or whenever you have a training session planned to literally drop everything and train, when you – Physically make time in your daily routine to do that practice, to show up, to start the act of training. You set in a tent, you walk in, you begin. No matter what, same time, every day you do this, no matter what pops up in your life, you are setting a massive sort of example. <laughs> uh, that's a big declaration. If that's in your daily schedule, then I'd say right off the bat, you're going to get better, you're going to improve. If you... Uh, have in the course of your day a time where you hope to get into the gym and get to the stuff you need to get done and you're not quite sure what you'll do but you know whatever you know it'll happen uh the what in that situation things get bumped down to the bottom of the list and and fire alarms and late 
emails in the day and fights with your kids or whatever happens, that's going to really disrupt your ability to focus and get a result in anything you're doing. Like I said, it doesn't matter what you know or what plan you walked in with. Uh, if you let what's important you get displaced, uh, you're never going to get what you want out of anything. So I'd say, number one, really make a dedicated uh, commitment. Carve out a time and a place where no matter what happens, you're going to go in and do your work. Uh, that's a great starting recommendation, right? The second thing I would say as a closing recommendation is to make sure your efforts in the gym are fun. If you listen to the latest episode of Barbell Shrugged with Travis Mash, the Strength Spectacular episode, uh, you'll kind of get the, the point of what we're trying to show in the episode pretty quickly. Uh, Travis Mash, who's one of the guys I looked up to for years and years in powerlifting, really a hero of mine. Here's a guy who um, is no longer at peak strength, but if you look at what he's achieving, you look at the kind of team he's building, if you look at the kind of new challenges he's taking on and the strength he's able to express uh, in all these various different ways, he's, he's a powerlifter who, who now does powerlifting, who does some, some MPGL CrossFit-style fitness stuff. He does weightlifting and is getting better at weightlifting as we speak at the age of 42 years old with a wife, with a family, with a business, with a team. Uh, the biggest lesson I drew out of that experience talking with Travis and seeing what's changing with him. Why is he getting stronger now? and Why does he seem happier than ever? It's really that his efforts are now rooted in, uh, first and foremost, having a great time and really loving what he's doing and creating new challenges that spark new creative insights and new degrees of discovery. That's really important. And also to kind of piggyback that, I'd say Travis has learned maybe better than anybody just how important it is to live a life that is filled with quality and is in a pursuit of quality. Again, what does that mean? Always trying to do better, to make things better. If you're going to coach somebody, you really have to care enough to say, here's the ways I think I can definitely make you better. And you have to really be dedicated and patient enough to make that happen. With yourself, you have to see areas where maybe you can't be at peak anymore. Maybe you're never going to deadlift a certain amount of weight. But there's things, there's always something that can be improved in you, right? Yes, especially so. Some mobility thing, some strength thing some new exercise you've learned that you suck at, you have to understand that getting better at that thing is a whole trick. <laughs> and to finding creative ways of getting better at that, especially if you have an injury or lack of time. And I will say, maybe more so than anybody else I've met recently, I don't know of anyone who sees the importance and value more uh, than Travis when it comes to um, putting in the effort with your family and your team and then reaping the benefit of that back in your own life. Um, the more you serve and care for the people around you and help them be strong and help them live uh, a calmer, more focused, more quality-driven life, the better you're going to be in every way. And the only other thing I would say on this episode, it's a little bit of a shorter episode, half hour is plenty, right? The one thing I would draw out as being the most critical finishing point I can think of, uh, I've made it throughout, and hopefully I can make it again with some <laughs> urgency here, is that when you're not getting what you want, uh, it's not... I would guess most of the time, it's not because you don't know what to do, and it's not because you aren't trying hard as a motherfucker, man. I think maybe that's way less common of a problem than people think, just raw effort and raw drive and all that. People are trying like hell to get stronger, and they're doing it in the face of like a lot of noise and a lot of distraction, a lot of real-world important issues that divide the intention, right? The only thing you can do ultimately to counter that is to decide what does not help you lead a more quality-driven, higher-purpose life. Uh, there's going to be things that pop up in your life. Some are good, some are bad. You have to be able to say, right, these are the things that don't help me make the world more just, more creative, 
They don't help me serve. They're not allowing me to find quiet and think more about what's important to me. They're not allowing me to narrow my focus, obviously, and see opportunities more clearly, things I might achieve, bigger things I might achieve. If anything doesn't align, if anything doesn't align, no matter how much work you put into it previously, no matter how much you might have loved that thing, no matter how much loyalty you feel to that thing, if you can't get to the point where you're willing to cut that and say no to that, uh, you're never going to have the effect you want. And I hope you take that very, very seriously. I can say that this is the point in my life where that is the most relevant. That it's, it's more relevant than it's ever been. That i got to be willing to change, let go, and upgrade in pursuit of the quality of the things that I want. Like Chris, I also have some other types of things that I want to say and other ways that I want to express. And so it's a potent reminder here to say, hey, like to, to do that, to be able to bring out the best quality, I'm going to start getting to say no to other things that even the things that I like, I'm willing to grow, I'm willing to change, I'm willing to put everything that I have into the, uh, into the buckets that I've chosen to be important. I'm willing to go out and choose to be strong, have a good time in the gym, have fun with the people that I am uh, getting to be on this journey with, be with my wife, be with my friends, be with my business partner. All of these people, uh, they are what makes the experience. It's not just your own personal experience. It's getting to share it with other people. That's why Chris did the Vice Friday. That's why he they loved getting together for the group training. Community is what we have. It's who we're sharing it with. It's what makes it special. And uh, Chris is, again, just hammering it home in the, in the only way he can. I'll let him do his thing, close the show. I'm sure he's got some Henry Rollins to play us out, and I'll catch up with you for Episode 94. Cheers. Right. As I play out to Rollins Band, I just want to say to you guys, uh, take this advice, apply it, hope it works out for you. If you want me to talk about anything on a podcast next week, ping me on social media. I'm happy to answer your questions or riff on whatever bullshit you want me to riff on. Uh, in the meantime, I do encourage you to go and check out barbellshrug.com this week. This next episode we have coming up, uh, let's see, that's going to be like September 24th, 25th, whatever. I'm not very good with dates. But we're working on a very cool show on adaptive athletes, people who've overcome um, profound physical uh, injury, um, hardship in their life, profound cratering events, and they're bouncing back to be competitive and to be strong. I think if you watch that episode, I think that'll even, maybe more so than my rambling on this podcast, really help you to think about uh, what's most important to you and that you do still have plenty of opportunity in your life to be strong and fit. And you still have plenty of ability and plenty of intent to make that happen. So I hope you enjoy that. So uh, that's enough rambling, man. I'll play out this song. Until next week, uh, I wish you the best possible week. Peace, love, namaste, cheers. Talk to you next Friday. Inhale. Fact. Exhale. Assumption. Inhale. What I want.